everybody. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. It's a podcast that's called... The Macaw Podcast Universe. And it exists to prove people wrong when they say... Sequels are never better than the originals. And my name is Jordan Macaw. My name is Micah Macaw. Jinx, tricked ya. I'm Micah, you're Jordan. And we are married, and we host a podcast, and we watch movies, and we talk about film franchises, (laughs) and we go through them one by one by one. And And today we're talking about my favorite color, red. Yes, we are. Um, so you probably just had a massive, you know, like what a, what a great month of, of the Macaw podcast universe. We're finishing up March today and you're, you're just like, oh my gosh, we got scared. We watched scream and we did scream. Then we got Shazammed and hopefully that was good. And then we got John wicked. What's next? Well, we had to finish the series we were covering before we did that three week detour. And that's a series called Three Colors, the trilogy by Krzysztof Kieslowski, a Polish director who made these French movies and thought, hey, if I tell him it's about the French flag, I'll be able to get funding for these movies. But it all works out much deeply, much better than much that. Much deeply. Much deeply and more better than that. And here we are. We're finishing it off. These are critically acclaimed movies. Do they hold up to the critical acclaim, Jordan? Yes. Short answer, yes. Give me the long answer. Long answer, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we said on the other ones, I mean, we, we're, I'm kind of resetting here because... It's been, we, it's been so long. It's been so long. Wink, wink. The listeners don't even know that it's only been like three days since we recorded White. I didn't say that out loud, did I? I have no idea what I think about John Wick, Shazam, or Scream yet. I don't even have tickets to any of the movies. Ant Man and the Wasp tickets went on sale like yesterday, and that we have to do that, uh, you know, before we even get to those. Uh, yeah, so these, yeah, these movies are just like very crit- critically acc- acclaimed, and I have yeah. <laughs> I'm having trouble today. I, I've like always wanted to watch them ever since kind of being more aware of the circle of movies outside of you know just American cinema. But I've never gotten around to them, and I finally did, and uh, I'm all the better for it. What a delight they have been. What a delight, and I think one of the biggest things for me, beyond the fact that they totally live up to the hype, um, and that they're just great movies, but one of the like interesting things that I had never heard about them is they are so incredibly different from one another. Yeah. Because once again, when, when we finished Blue, I expected White to be a lot like Blue in terms of the tone. And white was very funny and strange. And then this movie, I was like, okay, we're going to go back to blue, where it's going to be this kind of depressing tragedy type thing. And while that's in there, it felt more, I mean, it is this, it felt like two people like talking about ethics. And sweet. Yeah. It's a sweet movie. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I guess I just didn't expect these movies to be so like hopeful and kind. What a palate cleanser too on this podcast in general. Yeah. Because none of the because none of the movies connect. So it it is watching a, a new story every time. Yeah. And that's classically not what you get with franchises. No. So that's also been wonderful about this. Right. And and now this year we have done that twice because we did the Man with No Name trilogy at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a little different because we're reusing actors and whatnot. Um, 
But yeah, I was. I will say I was concerned when we were getting toward the end because I was like, I could swear I read that there's a a, a scene where the lady's trying to recycle her bottle. Yeah. But it happens, so yeah. we're we're okay there. Um, when, when he when the guy pulled up to the building and that thing was outside, I was like, oh yeah, we're getting that. Yeah, but yeah. not for like another twenty minutes. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. So wait, when what thing pulled up to what? When the the man drove to the location of the show, the bottle drop was oh. outside the building. Oh, you saw it then? Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, let's get into who's in the movie. Oh, you're kicking it off. Okay. Yeah. Kick it. Irene Jacob plays Valentine, our main character. She is also in The Double Life of Veronique. Goodbye, children. That, so The Double Life, that is another uh, Christoph Kieslowski movie. Oh, yeah. I And, um, and a, a, a former guest on the show, Trevin Alger, referred to it as Four Colors Green. <laughs> yeah, because this, this is the premise. Two parallel stories about two identical women, one living in Poland, the other in France. They oh. don't know each other, but their lives are nevertheless profoundly connected. Let's watch that one, Micah. Oh, we're going to. We're definitely going to. Yeah. There's this still that's shown on IMDb. It's got some, it, it's green. This movie literally has the color green yeah. in it. Bananas. It, it, it's also, it's very nutso. Um, uh, for, for those, I don't know if you would know people who are listening. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but I, I got a book, 1001 Movies to Watch Before You Die. And you won't stop talking about and, it. Yeah, it's fun to look through, and there's like essays on each movie and stuff. So I've been watching movies from it and stuff. But Kieslowski has four movies in that book because it's the color red, white, the Decalogue, and then Double Like Life of Veronique. So. Veronique. Veron Veronique. Wait, what? Red and white are in the book? And not red blue? and blue, I mean. Red and blue, but not white. Not okay. white. So. Um, interesting. I, I, I wonder who has the most. I would imagine it's the person who has the top shot would probably be Alfred Hitchcock, would be yeah. my guess. But. Gilmore has entered the room. Uh -oh. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I know. Uh, she's I was also hoping in the you movie would sleep through this one. <laughs> U.S. Marshals. And then. Really? Wow. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, that is a sequel to um, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Oh. And guess how many movies are in that franchise? What? Two. Oh, good. So we could do it on Patreon good. if we ever wanted to. Okay. And then Jean-Louis Trintignant. Nope, didn't say that one right. Um, he plays Le Judge, the judge. Um, he is but not in the Robert Duvall judge. No, no, not, no. The not, the, not the judge. There's only He's one. Judge. <laughs> there's there's Judge Judy, and then there's the judge. So he is also in Amor, Z, The Conformist, and I mean a ton of stuff. Oh, he's in Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, he passed away June of last year. Oh man, so he recently been... he was ninety-one. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking of the other judge, like the person who becomes a judge in the movie. And I was thinking, oh, man, that guy must have been, like, 50 no. when he died. You're no, no, talking no. about, like, the other lead of this movie, basically. Yes. The yeah. two top-billed people of this movie? Yeah, Micah, that's yeah, what I'm talking about. that makes about. a lot more sense. And then Frederick Fetter plays Karen, the the woman who is in a relationship with the with the younger judge. Um, she is also in Steven, or Steven, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> I'm, like, so ready to try and figure out French <laughs> things. Um, swept from the sea. And this movie called Mutant Action. 
And this is... Uh, is this an IMG- X-Men movie? <laughs> no, but her IMDb picture is very bloody with a monster hanging over her. And I was like, well, what movie could this be from? It's from Mutant Action. And I just want you to hear the premise because in a way, it's not so different from real life. Okay. In a future ruled by attractive people, mutant terrorists kidnap a rich man's daughter to claim rights for the ugly. Escaping police, the mutant leaders crashes into a planet of crazy miners where no women live. And you're saying this is a lot like today? Oh, you know, attractive people rule the world. Ugly people are on the bottom. Have you seen the last two presidents? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, people probably, some people would probably agree with that, though. <laughs> it's called popularity. Um, and then Jean-Pierre Laurette plays August, who is the younger judge. Oh, okay. okay, okay. He is also in Tell No One... War Machine, uh, Brad Pitt, War Machine. Oh, yeah, that's a Netflix movie. Yeah. Um, Which means they dumped it. <laughs> a Matter of Taste, 16, and, you know, a heck of a lot more. As you'd like to say, a million other things. Yeah. Oh, and I, I also misspoke. It's it's not the month of March. It's April, Jordan. Whoa. Yeah, we're in April. Good. Yeah. Um, okay, so this movie is directed by Christoph Kieslowski. Uh, this is his final movie. Um, he will die in a few years. Uh, and then, So he just decided to end it here for that purpose, or he retired? No, I th- I believe he retired, but no, then... No, he did. It's just the way you said it. Oh, it was funny. Okay. But I, I believe he did intend to retire, but then he was working on this other trilogy. Um, I'm going to come back to it, because I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, it's written by Christoph Kieslowski and Christoph Piesowitz. Again, same two writers of both of the other movies the cinematography so the cinematographer is the only person that changes in the cast that i report or i mean the crew that i report and it's changing every movie and uh this guy is piotr sobasinska um and he did marvin's room which is an old leo dicaprio movie when he was still a kid oh i've never even heard of that movie have you i've heard of it yeah oh, okay i feel like that is that movie ha- may have Meryl Streep in it, um, or it might have Robert De Niro in it. I can't remember which, or maybe both. Oh, he's not, I mean, he's young, but he's not a kid. Well, he's like a teenager, right? This is like post What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, okay. I was thinking he's it was like, before. He's like really young in that. Well, I'll confirm. This movie came out in 1996. Okay. Oh, yeah, so we're only three years away and from And Diane Titanic. Keaton, and, as well as Meryl Streep and but, Robert, Robbie D. Okay, so it's both, yeah. Um, and then he's, he's also did the eating Gilbert grape is 1993. Okay. Uh, and by the way, just for the record, everyone, what's eating Gilbert grape is not a very good movie. Okay. It's, it's very overrated. I just got to say that. Do you think looking back on it now, it could be potentially insensitive? Uh, potentially. I don't don't remember. I remember being like a sweet movie. Like it's, I don't think it tries to, I don't remember that either. You know, put people down. I just just, think it's a it's a classic movie where where it's a movie that has a great performance in it, mm -hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio, and people. Doesn't the mom get nominated? I don't know. Oh, okay. But I mean, his performance is so good that it tricks you into thinking it's a good movie, but it's kind of a bad, boring movie. Okay. But I did watch it a long time ago, so it could change. But boy, I've only seen it once, and it's one of those movies where you only need to see it once. Yeah, I just remember when I finished it, I was like, oh. Never got to watch that again. Um, Micah really doesn't like human interest stories. That's not true. We're talking about three <laughs> colors, kidding. yo. 
Um, so he also did the cinematography on a Ron Howard movie called Ransom, which is pretty the Mel Gibson good. one. Yeah, that's a Ronnie. That's a Ron Howard movie. That's a Ron Howard movie. I didn't know that. I think I just assumed that was a Mel Gibson movie. Yeah, I mean he's on the cover and it says Mel Gibson Ransom, and yeah. it doesn't say anything about Ron Howard. So, um, yeah, I bet it's good. It is. It is. It's it's totally worth a watch. I I wish that it was like Ron Howard. I wish there was like another element to it that that put it over the top. Yeah. But I love the concept because I've, I've watched it like on TV. Yeah. And as a kid, it was so exciting. The the concept of it for those who don't know is. Mel Gibson's son gets kidnapped, and so then he goes on TV, and he puts the, like, million-dollar ransom on, and he says, whoever finds who abducted my son, I will give this money to, instead of giving it to the guy. And yeah. It's pretty cool. Is he, like, a government dude? Is he, like, some high-profile guy? I don't remember. Yeah. But I, I think it's, like, a decent movie. It's, like, a gentleman's six, you know? But, well, hey, that's like that's where Ron Howard likes <laughs> yeah, to live. Yeah, <laughs> he is the gentleman of gentlemen's. <laughs> Uh, but I would rank that like pretty high in Ron Howard's career. Definitely above the Grinch who stole Christmas for sure. Oh, that's just wrong. <laughs> um, and then he also did the cinematography for Hearts in Atlantis. Okay, we're still talking about the cinematography. <laughs> I know, I know. That movie. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Um. Well, you know, Anthony Hopkins is in it. Yeah. Uh. But you know and who the kid is? Yeah, it's um. Anton Yelchin. Anton and Yelchin. He's so yeah. cute. I've seen. Uh, a, a, like a little scene with him because yeah. your dad was flipping through the channels. Oh, right. So I caught like 20 seconds of the movie Great. before we switched channels again. Great Stephen King story. Yeah. Uh, they mostly all are. Uh, the music is by Zbigniew Preisner again. Uh, in Poland, this movie comes out in May 27th, 1994. In France, it comes out September 14th, 1994. Uh, this was the one... So each movie... Um, Roger Ebert kind of called it an anti-something. So he calls the first one an anti-tragedy. He calls the second one an anti-comedy, which I don't actually really agree with, but we could talk about it if you want. And then this one he calls an anti-romance, which is pretty interesting, and I do agree with those. I, I, I understand his sentiment for anti-comedy. I just think because I'm a fan of Tim Heidecker, I don't really like that phrasing. Because people always label Tim Tim and Eric's work as anti-comedy. What do you think about absurdist comedy? Because they've also been described as that. That makes more sense. Yeah. Because anti-comedy, I know he's talked about he's talked about that actual verbiage. Yeah. And he's always like, it's stupid because we're not trying not to be funny. Yeah. We are trying to be funny. It's just maybe not how people think of comedy. Yeah. For themselves. And so I think White is actually a funny movie. So I wouldn't call it an anti-comedy. But it is like anti-comedy stereotypes, maybe. Okay. Maybe I'm just classifying over the top, but we're talking movies, baby. Yeah. Um, You're sorry, so red is an anti-romance. Anti-romance. Okay. And this color, so each one as well represents a, um, the color represents what the color represents in the French flag. Yeah. So the first one was. Freedom. Freedom. Liberty. White. Uh, second one was. Oh. Equality. Equality. And then this one is fraternity slash brotherhood, which I think brotherhood is an easier way to discern Or it. also friendship, if you want to think yeah, of it that way as well. Yeah. And uh, that's easier to discern than fraternity, <laughs> for me at least. Uh, and then the movie made $3.5 million. Um, it was beaten at the Cannes Film Festival by a movie 
that came out in 1994 as well called Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction beat this movie. Yeah, I mean, Pulp Fiction got the Palm Door, which I don't think I knew that. I don't think I knew that. I didn't. I mean, yeah, I didn't know that that movie was like, yeah, I didn't know it won stuff, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's so, nuts. Um, yeah, I, I think I would still stand by that as a winner. Um, Pulp Fiction. I or, mean, it's a classic, but it's always one or two on IMDb's top 250. Yeah, it's an undeniable movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's usually four, actually, Jordan. Well, Shawshank Redemption's always one. Yeah. And then? I don't remember. Well, a Lord of the Rings movie hovers around up there, too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Return of the King. Yeah, I th- 12 Angry Men's up there, too, but that might be 20. I don't think it's that high. In the 20s. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and, and also, for anyone who may not know, like, you know, you got your Academy Awards, which just happened. And we did a Patreon episode on it, so you should what sign up. What did we up. think? I genuinely can't tell you <laughs> upon this recording, but listen to that. Listen to that. But, uh, you know, the Academy Awards, I think they're cool. I think they're a huge honor. But there is, like, a little bit of a commercialness mm-hmm. to them. Uh, the Cannes Film Festival is a little more, like, pure and artistic from what I've gathered and my personal opinion. And so winning, winning the Palm d'Or which is the the biggest prize of it. So Palm Door is con. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is like that because they screen those movies before the rest of the world sees them usually. Yeah. Um so there's not like a how did this movie do at the box office? There's not like a popularity contest. Um so oftentimes like I've I've thought in the past couple of years it'd be pretty interesting to watch like the palm door winners instead of like the academy award winners mm-hmm. you know if if you were planning to go through all of that stuff. and that's french yeah yeah i wonder what it how you get on the committee of that you gotta probably have a lot of credits of of either film criticism or i think i think it's probably just critics that do you it. think so yeah i've never thought about that before yeah and then there's all which one's the golden lion is that the venice film festival uh, I can't remember, but that sounds familiar. Because that one seems like a big one too, mm-hmm. and I remember people not to bring up this this maligned movie, but I remember people were just like scoffing. I that, got a lot of press last year. That Joker one. Oh, the I Golden thought you were going to talk about. Don't worry, darling. That one, the no, no, I think that's just where some of that stuff happened. Oh, was that oh. the Ven- Venice film? You're right. Festival. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to be so shocked that not only could they give Joker. But they could give. That's Don't right. Worry, Joker Darling. won, and Chris uh, Chris Pine allegedly got spat on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been confirmed by Harry Styles' representative that he wasn't spat on, or Chris Pine's. I don't. Representative. I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I like to believe that he did, though. It's way more fun. Um. Okay, but so all of that to say, um, here are a couple of like symbolic things about the movie that we can keep an eye on as we go through. Um, the scenes between Valentine and Kern, Kern's the old judge, at his house never show the characters on the same level. Mm-hmm. Valentine either stands above or she sits below him. Mm-hmm. When uh, Karen searches for August, he hides on a walkway below her. During the climactic scene in the theater, Valentine stands on the stage, towering over Kern, who is in the pit below. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously showing power dynamics Mm -hmm. uh the telephone communication is important throughout and so is broken glass when kern reveals his eavesdroppings his eavesdropping 
uh, neighbor throw rocks through the window. And at the end of the film, Kern watches Valentine and August on the news while watching the outside world through broken glass. Uh, also, when Valentine is bowling, the camera moves down the line and we see a broken beer bottle, which has the Marlboro cigarettes in it. We can all assume that Augustine was bowling that night. August. August. Not Augustine. Yeah. Um, so, those are, so those are some things we can probably pick up on as we are going through the plot of the movie. What do you say? What, why do you think? What, what do you think about like how the movie relies so much on phone conversations? What do you think about that? Oh, I I found it endlessly fla- fascinating. Fascinating. Fla- Are you, did you have something to drink before we started recording? Uh, no, I had a lot of water. That's all I've drank today. Um, and it's midday. Uh, do you think that it is uh, illustrating the like one? You know, phones connect everybody, and this is an age before. Uh, cell phones so it's all landlines yeah um but you like it's technically easier to communicate with everybody yet so much is not being said or even though it's easier to communicate with people in in some ways it's harder to communicate with people based on like what we see valentina's talking to her boyfriend a lot on the phone throughout the movie who we never see yeah and their relationship is very bad yeah and, but then we like hear a conversation between two men who are in love with each other. Yeah. And, and so it's like, we get, we get like some truth. Yeah. Cause, cause we find out that one of the men is like hiding this from his family. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I, I think the movie's kind of tackling it all because you, yeah. you see, you see something like the two men talking and they're being honest with one another. Although one is trying to be like, we can't do this. We can't do this. Um, but there's still like an honesty in their conversation. But then, you know, when she's on the phone with M- Michael, I, I'll call it, I don't think that's the French pronunciation. I think it's Michelle. Michelle. Okay. When she's on the phone with him, there's, there's like a disconnect, but she's trying to be honest, but he's not. And then, and he then sucks. having, having them all listening to the conversations. There was another thing I said where they, there, there's also interpretations of this movie being like Kern is like a, a God archetype. Okay. And just that. Who's Kern? The he's old the guy? judge. He's oh, the judge. Okay. Yeah. Lay judge. Thank um, you. Lay judge. Yeah. I, excuse me. I'm I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Robert Duvall. Um, and uh, yeah, so Kern is like listening and he he's he is doling out like his moral judgments mm-hmm. on people. And so there's there is kind of like a God complex going on. And that, mm. there's that element as mm-hmm. well. So well, he predicts things. And he's right. He does. To the point where in that more climactic scene of the movie, um, he's talking about, he, he's telling her that dream that he's telling her again, the dream that he had about her. Yeah. And that she was happy. And she says, and that will happen. And yeah. he says, yes. And yeah, he's that's like true. predicting her future, I guess. Yeah. This one's the most like, I, I think this one, you could read certain scenes as like not real. Or like some like like this movie could almost exist in a plane of like someone's mind or something, hmm. you know? Because it, I, I I mean I think it works on on its base level, and I'm not reading it that way. But there is you know like you're saying in that scene uh, that he says you know this thing will happen, and then there's like an act of God, like a storm is busting through the opera, and she has to close all the doors and stuff. So hmm. it's interesting thinking about the God complex of it because. Also, his neighbors, when they find out he's eavesdropping on them, they do civil court, and and I guess maybe you could 
make the metaphor go further that they become unbelievers and they start attacking God mm-hmm. and by throwing stuff mm-hmm. into his windows and rejecting him. And then she's just trying to be friends with him the whole movie and trying to learn from him, but also trying to teach him. Mm-hmm. You know, the metaphor breaks down at a certain point mm-hmm. and it also depends on your, your worldview and what you think yeah. about God. Um, but yeah, this movie is wild. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's just so it's so wild to me that these movies are so different. Yeah, but, but they they do feel very much like the same filmmaker mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but even visually, this one again looks quite a bit different from the other two. Yeah, and yeah. He, he, I think that all has to do with the color, how that informs yeah the shooting. But but what's interesting is like you know we talked a lot about how in blue documentary style is definitely being incorporated and then in white there is like more of a movie look and feel Mm -hmm. and this one has that movie look and feel but then there's this there's these shots where there's intersecting action and i think that alone makes this movie have a look that's very different than the other two yep he he does constantly um well throughout the movie yeah her she is valentina's living her life and we're following her, but every once in a while we'll see August living his life. And oftentimes throughout the movie, their lives intersect. Yes. And you are just, as you're watching it thinking, when are they going to finally meet? It's just like, they're like (laughs) both people that like, because especially thinking this is like some kind of romance movie. It's like, when are they invariably going to have their meet cute? Right. Which they never have, unless you consider the end of the movie. (laughs) Right. Right. Which I don't, (laughs) but yeah, it, it's uh, especially one of the first shots of this movie. Um, so we we start the movie with August. He is dialing the phone. Uh, he calls a number, doesn't get it, hangs up, puts a rubber band around his books, takes his dog for a walk. Yeah. As he's taking his dog for a walk, or I don't know if this happens in this. So then, he, then he's walking on the street with his books. Yeah. And as that's ha- happening, the camera's following him, and then it pans up. The crane shot is nuts. Yeah, it goes it pans up above up this goes cafe. into Valentine's apartment. Yeah. Which, whoever is the set designers for all these movies, but I would say especially this one, uh-huh. is bonko. Yeah. Bonko crazy. Because everything just looks perfect. Yeah. And by perfect, I mean lived in. Uh-huh. Man, everything looks so good. And I, I wasn't, I'm not for sure, I, I, I'm not this smart, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, yeah. but I felt like a lot of, I, 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 this movie, as opposed to the other ones, I was trying to think of, like, why are these certain objects red? Yeah, yeah. More so than I was thinking in the other movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's also tough with, all three of these colors, because there's also just a lot of natural stuff that is that color. But you know it's also intentional. You know, like, he's driving a red Jeep. Um, The phone, one of them, their phone is red. Yeah. The jacket of her boyfriend is red. Like, there's just so much red. I mean, her or the advertisement she does is red. Yeah. So, so why do you think his Jeep is red? Like, like, here's an interesting thing. Why is this guy, who is not our main character, or yeah. a fly on the wall in his life... Yeah. Why does he get a red car and not our main character? Because you would think right. it would be our main character. So I I think I think it kind of I, I I mean there's probably so much. But but one one thing I think is is going back to what you said about the the romance element. The whole movie you keep expecting them to meet and then they would fall in love. And then I think what and I'll come back around, but 
it feels like this is what Roger Ebert was talking about when he says an anti-romance because it's like the movie is playing on the fact that you've seen romance movies before and you keep expecting it. So I think even giving him a red car makes you go, oh, okay. Like they have a connection even though they don't have it yet because she's red or this movie's about her. She's on the cover and he has a red Jeep. I think- Like it's it's, it's so- bright and in your face how can you not notice him oh yeah yeah that wasn't what i was saying but um in addition i think that's a good good point but yeah so this whole movie i think that's where it is the anti-romance where you're you're expecting it and it is kind of upending your expectations on on what a movie like this should and could be Mm. um so having said that maybe we'll skip around a little bit on this one when we get to the end, there's the boat crash, and there's they survived it. Now, I don't want to get into the characters there yet, but they finally meet, and it looks like they speak to each other on the news. It, is that... I know you said, I don't like to imagine that's their meet cute, and it's obviously not cute. No, I just cute. don't mean it's not cute. That's yeah, all I but meant. do you think that they then have a relationship yeah. after that? I, I, want, I want to believe yeah. that. Yeah. Because of what was established throughout the movie. Uh-huh. And I love it so much. Which is also very unromantic to me on... Uh, That's what I mean. It's not a meet cute. Right, right. Yeah. Which, so... So, yeah, I think that locks in but the But they're both survivors. Right. Not just of a boat crash, but of their lives, in a way, uh-huh. where he was in a bad relationship and was cheated on. Because right. that's what we see throughout his story. She's also in a bad, potentially abusive relationship. Like, I'm glad she didn't make it. At least, like, mentally abusive yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, psychologically and and emotionally. Uh-huh. And like so they're I think I would like to think that they're both survivors and they had this shared experience with the boat crash, you know. Yeah. Where it's like they're connected in that way forever. Yeah, no, that's good. I, and, I, I like mean, that. Well we can get into the more obvious parallelisms, but uh, are you talking about the judge and the judge yeah. thing? Okay, I kind of wanted to talk about it now, but should we go back to the beginning? Let's, let's and go, go back through? to the beginning. Okay. <laughs> so when when the camera pans up and into Valentine's apartment, yeah. her phone is ringing. She answers it. It's Michelle, her boyfriend. They talk. Uh, you get the sense that he has been away for a long time, and he has he no sucks. idea. This guy sucks. Oh, he sucks. She, he's not sure when he's coming back. He's going to this country in a couple days. Um, yeah. She's felt so lonely the last night that she slept with his jacket. She just misses him so terribly. And then, and then he's, you know, they're, it's just so interesting where it's like, call me later. If I don't answer, people say this a lot in this movie. If I don't answer, it's because I've run out to do this thing uh-huh. or I'll make sure I'm back by seven and I'm free the whole night kind of thing. Well, like, that's like, what they used to have to do. Jordan. No, I know. I know. It's just, <laughs> I feel like everything's intentional in this movie. Yeah. Well, and, and I, so this props up something in my head um, that I think is just something to praise about all these movies. But the the realism of the dialogue is very interesting um, because there's there's sometimes awkward things that are said or things that seem strange to say, but it it, it never feels scripted. Yeah. Um, and something like this this uh, boyfriend of hers, we we never find out his job. We don't hear really anything except for their conversation, which feels very like like their conversation feels like they've had many other conversations. And sometimes in movies, it doesn't feel that way. 
And so it just adds like this heightened sense of realism to this movie. And especially when we're dealing with these kind of surrealist and like ideological things, sometimes it's helpful that the movie's so grounded in that regard that it can be a little weirder with its ideas. Well, I think it there's so that part is established so well that by near the end of the movie, when she's like, I'm going to go to London to be, to meet with her boyfriend by that point, the movie, oh, I think with her family, she's going to meet with her family. No, she's going to see her mom before going to London. Oh, I think to okay. see because her, her, I thought I should say that's it. Cause I, okay. and I, I think, but something I thought, I thought was like, why would you go, run after this guy who can't even say he loves you yeah and has been gone so long and you haven't realized that he's probably not coming back why would you go to him yeah because that like that's how good the dialogue and what we've gathered from their calls are yeah but but it's just great that there's not like uh she sits down at a cafe and she's like you know my boyfriend michelle Oh yeah, you mean the guy who does this? And you're, she's like, yeah, he's on another job, and he needs this, and he isn't this, and yeah, yada, yada, yada. This is yada. why I know she's meeting her boyfriend because she was on the phone with him, <laughs> and she says, "I'm taking the ferry tomorrow at this time," and he says, "Why are you taking the ferry?" Uh huh. And she says, "Well, I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna visit my mom on the way." Oh, okay, okay. So that's why I knew. Well, and I had, I had, I don't know. Maybe I got a little, little lesson from you, Jordan. But I, you'll notice last night I asked you a lot of questions while we were watching the movie because I think it had more to do with, I was so concerned about taking notes on this movie that I actually was sometimes reading what they were saying and not understanding it because I was trying to be like, how do I summarize this into a note? Yeah. Uh, because also like in the first two movies, there's kind of at least an action that you're jumping off of. Yeah. Uh, even if the movie goes in weird ways whereas this one i was like i don't know what i'm supposed to latch on to yeah until like three quarters of the way through the movie and i think that that's it's obviously by design and it makes for a very interesting watch and i liked that and about i think the movie. part of that is because we're arthur main character she's kind of aimless yeah because of she's in a relationship that's non-committal yeah. whether or not she's fully in yeah and she's trying to figure out what she's doing with her time while also having a job and stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. kind of why I feel that way. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, so then she hops in the car and we get another crazy driving angle, which I just always feel yeah. like we've covered them all, but then you see another one. They found another angle in that car. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, just the taillight in the right of the frame. And then, the rest of the road and it just looks great. And it, it also, when her brake lights are on it, it makes the whole image look bathed in red. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then she drives across the street and the camera follows her. And then you see the Augustine August, uh, on, on the side of the road, walking his dog. And then he walks across the street, drops a book mm -hmm. and the passage. Oh, you were skipping far ahead. Uh, no, I'm not. You're not? We keep we keep seeing them intersect him crossing street. Oh, I guess that's true because she hits the dog right after that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and then he picks up the book, and it's on a certain page. It's a law book. Yeah, he, we, we know at this point he's studying to become a lawyer or a judge or something. Well, we know a judge. Yeah. But, like, usually you're a lawyer first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's Here, on a, at least. I don't know about there. Well, I guess that's true. Because he becomes a judge in this movie. That's true. Maybe he was already a lawyer. Um. Yes, on a specific, it's a, it fell open to a specific portion of the book where 
he's like reading it in the middle of the street because it caught his eye. Yeah. And then later that w- that question was specifically asked on his exam. Mm-hmm. And then she hits a dog. Mm-hmm. And this was interesting. So she was fiddling around with the radio. Yeah. Which is why she was distracted. And the radio frequencies were sounded the same as the frequencies on the judges. Uh, okay. Whatever those th- the things he was using to listen to people's conversations. Do you think that's a thing? Maybe just foreshadowing. Okay. I don't know. Because <laughs> I got no read on that, but I, I didn't notice that. That's yeah. kind of interesting. But she hits a dog. It's um, a German Shepherd. Boy, I wanted that dog to live so bad. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the dog lives. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> this is no, uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say. A, yeah. A recent movie we yeah. saw. <laughs> so she um, scoops the dog up, looks at the address on its collar, and drives to the home of the dog. Yeah. And we're introduced to this very strange man. Very aloof. Yeah, and she just walks into his house because nothing's unlocked. Everything's no, open. Nothing's locked. Uh, oh, nothing's locked. And everything's opened. And she's like, hey, you know, I, I hit your dog. I didn't know what to do. And he basically says, I don't care what you do. Yeah. And then as she's leaving, he says, leave the door open. So It's he, like he's, he's, he is inviting anybody to come in. To do anything they yeah. want. He, he's inviting life to happen to him. Whether or not he knows that or, you know, actually wants it. Because all we see is this old man living alone, uh-huh. listening like listening to like weird frequencies on a radio. Right, right. So obviously depressed. And she kind of points that out to him. Yeah. Like kind of like, I could have been anybody. Uh-huh. And she's like remorseful, like, sorry I hit your dog. And it's almost like, wish you had killed it. Yeah, he doesn't say that, but that's like his attitude. See, he struck me as less opening up to life and more suicidal in that scene. I think it was suicidal for sure. I think he was going down a very dark path, but what instead entered his home was light. Yeah. And so then she takes the dog to the vet. They get the dog fixed up. She takes the dog home. And then she's on the phone with her boyfriend and he's like, get rid of that dog. Oh, talk about a loud panter. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> felt another element where I was like, movies don't usually have the dogs pant this loud. Way to go. Dog, I've never heard a dog pant that loud. It's like they had a mic right by that dog's mouth. <laughs> As if you've never heard a dog pant. Yeah. Uh, you're allowed to sample that, too, if you want, for your next movie. Uh, big time film directors listening. <laughs> you don't have to pay me. Uh, but, yeah, so all of that happens. And then what happens after that? Hmm. Or should I pull out my notes that I put Let's in my pull pocket? pull out the notes. Okay. Notes are being accessed now. Well, we find out that the dog's pregnant as well. Yep. Yeah. So that's just a note. Yeah, we find, find that out. Um, the photographer attempts to kiss her. Okay, so... So, yeah. Valentine's a model. Yeah. At the beginning of this movie, around the beginning of this movie, first act, she um, has a photo shoot, and then later on in this scene that you're talking about, she is... Got has the photos from it uh-huh. and is picking the the right one for the ad. Yeah, they pick it. Photographer makes a move on her. To which I said, "This feels like the most stereotypical." And this is not a criticism on the movie; it was just a joke. Uh-huh. Most stereotypical, uh, an oldest book in the trick, trick in the book, <laughs> <laughs> where the photographer comes on to the model. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and everyone laughed. The actor stopped and laughed with us. It was <laughs> weird. Well, and she picks the poster of the movie which will turn out to be the advertisement. 
And uh, it's a great it's photo. A movie poster. Well, it, it, they use that poster in the movie. The, in movie, the movie that poster. we're watching, but the ad is for like gum or something. Oh no, no, no! I know. I'm um, saying she picks the the, yeah. the picture is the picture of the movie yeah. poster of this movie for our world, so our here, universe. Here's a question I had that we uh, hadn't talked about yet because it's just a detail in the movie. Yeah. But throughout the movie, uh, so she lives above a cafe. Yeah. Um, and the cafe's in red, which I think is pretty obviously it's a gathering. Of, it's a you know it's a fraternity gathering. Oh, okay, of yeah. Friendship and brotherhood. Yeah. Um. And she every morning buys the paper, goes in, goes into the cafe, and oh, pu- yeah. puts a quarter or a franc or something into the slot machine, and plays it. Yeah. And the first time she does it, she doesn't win, and the bartender says, "Did you win?" And she just gives him a thumbs up, like, "Nope, I didn't." At, and which me at first was like, "Oh, this is just something she does every day." Uh-huh. But then the next time she goes in. Before she goes in, she gets the paper and she immediately sees on the paper a picture or she sees something that stops her. Yeah. We don't see what it is yet. Yeah. Then she goes into the cafe, does the slot machine, and she wins. And it's three red cherries. Three three red che- wait, red cherries? Yeah. But she's but so then the guy's like, Oh, did you win? And she's like, Yeah, it's not gonna be a good day, or something like that. So it's like, why is technically like why is good luck bad? to her that i gotta admit went right over my head i could I, not figure that i was out. like because she she won some money um not that she needs it but like and man, it wasn't like it, it it's not like um you know i don't think the movie was talking about greed because it was probably like 50 bucks maybe I, probably less than that but yeah yeah you know it's like she turned one dollar into twenty dollars yeah you know uh it's not not like she won a million dollars and she's like, well, my life's about to change. But maybe so that was bad. a small, like, my life's about to change and she's not into change. But yeah. I don't really know if I believe that because I would think her hitting a dog is, like, a pretty big life-changing thing. Yeah. And she seemed to handle that very gracefully. Well, and, and it's pretty weird because it's not her who says, I got the bad luck or whatever. It's the guy who walks up to her is like, oh, got a bad luck or got got a hit the wrong numbers or something yeah. like that. So I got to admit that scene right over my head. I don't, Very I don't understand the significance of that scene. Yeah. If we want to look at the color though, <laughs> you know, it's red fraternity, all that stuff. I think you could even look at it as romance. This is why the movie is the anti romance. Uh-huh. Um, so like looking out from what the character is thinking. Yeah. This means that someone's about, I would think enter her life. Yeah. Which is the judge. Yeah. A, a new person, and it's not going to be uh, good. Yeah. Until it is. Yeah. So then she takes her dog for a walk, and she's, it's very, it's just cute. She's like, okay, promise you're not going to run away. Okay, I'm going to let you off the leash so you can run. And then she lets him, lets her off the leash, and Rita just takes off running. And she runs into a cathedral, mm-hmm. which maybe is playing on the god reading of the movie okay um and then uh she's like my dog ran in here i'm sorry and then the the priest just points to the back and then the dog runs out so she chases it and then she can't find it and then she goes oh i'll drive back to the owners and see if the dog's there to which it is yes so she gets there and uh the the guy comes out and he Oh, before that, she was given money was dropped off for her at home. Yeah, she she figures it's the judge that gave the money for the vet bills. Yeah, so she says you overpaid. 
So she gives him back the money and he gives her back money and says, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get change. And then he just like leaves her out there. Yeah. For a long time. And and he says something about like, I don't care about anything or, you know, I, I care about nothing. And she says, why don't you just stop breathing then? Yeah. Um, which that goes into the category of like, it's so, um, it's so strange to say that to someone. It kind of feels more realistic than a very scripted line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, she already doesn't, I mean, she had a bad first experience with this person. The, this person's dog ran away and she hits it and feels so bad. And then she goes to the owner to like fess up. Like, I'm so sorry I did this. Yeah. Um, uh, the dog is in my car right now and he has he's not thankful for her he's not even angry with her he just doesn't care yeah and i i think that that puts a taste in our mouth of like this person sucks yeah so then she walks inside she's kind of like what what's going on and we're hearing this conversation between two men that we referenced earlier where it sounds like one of them it sounds like they're in love, but one of them is trying to keep it a secret, and the other one is like, let's run away together. That's yeah. like the conversation that's occurring. Yeah. And we're hearing it on a radio. And then the judge comes out, and he says, and he's just very open about everything. That's also what's the interesting. The is nuts, man. He's very he good. He's so freaking good at being weird. Yeah. Yeah, because there's several moments in the movie that he doesn't go all the way with it. I'm talking his acting. Yeah. But it feels like they could be predatory, but you could also read it as fatherly or none of the above. Yeah. There, there's like three or four moments like that. And then I think by the end of the movie, you land on it's like uh, it's like fraternity, like mm -hmm. friendship is what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a couple times that seem a little like, oh, are we about to go down a pretty weird road mm -hmm. here? And it doesn't do that. Mm -mm. But his acting lets you think that maybe it could. Mm-hmm. So that's very good. Um, so yeah, she yeah. she discovers that he eavesdrops on his neighbors. Yeah, and she immediately is like, "You can't do that. That is an invasion of privacy, and that's a terrible thing to do. You're a bad person." Yeah, and he's like, "Okay, go tell him. They live on this in this house." He's he's like, <laughs> yeah. fully like, and he says, "Tell him that I tell him that it's me. I am the one who's listening." And he it, he's like so despondent and just sad with yeah. with his life that he like. I would, you know, it's like almost like a cry for help. Yeah, oh, right. like, oh, finally someone caught me. I don't think he actually is like that, but like maybe it's just something can, else can happen in my life. Yeah. Yeah, go do this thing. Yeah. So she does. Yeah. She goes to the other house. I, know, I was kind of like edge of my seat for this scene. Yeah. I'm like, what's about to happen? the lady's reaction was so funny. So the a woman answers the door. It's the wife of the man <laughs> who is currently on the phone with his lover. Upstairs. Unbeknownst to her. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, come in. I almost have the food ready. I couldn't tell if, like, the woman had, if Valentine had called ahead, because that's how it felt. Because oh. the lady's like, I'm about to put the food on the table. And it's like, what? And then also, this this very beautiful young woman comes to their house and says, I'm here for your husband. And the lady's like, yeah, can just come on in. He's upstairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Valentine goes into the dining room, is waiting. I don't but, know, for the guy to get off the phone? Well, no, because she says, just go upstairs. So she's sitting there kind of like, what am I doing here? Yes. And she's starting to contemplate this, and she turns, and she sees the daughter mm -hmm. on the phone listening to the conversation. Mm -hmm. So she knows that it's the every someone in the house is already learning about this situation. Yes. So yeah. she leaves. She, she says, I got the wrong house. Sorry. Leaves. Goes back to the judge's house. Yeah, and this is when I thought like she was just going to go home. 
And because yeah. uh, I still didn't know, like, what is this movie about? And then it's like, no, she stays at his house for like 10 minutes after this. And they have like a long conversation. Yeah. And she she goes back and she she says, I didn't tell them. Yeah. And he so I think this is when he kind of starts talking to her like he's he's foretelling her thoughts. Well, not foretelling. He's yeah. just he knows what she's thinking. Yeah. So he says things like, let me guess, like you went into this house, saw that this was a happy family. And thought, why would I want to be the one that ruins this family? When it's it's probably inevitable that this family is like an inch away from being destroyed anyway because of the man's infidelity. Yeah. So why do you need to go into their lives and ruin it for them? Yeah. And she's basically like, yeah, that's how I feel. And then she tells well, she's more like, I don't know what I feel well, right now. Yeah, that's true. But she admits like she didn't want to be the person to, to deliver bad news. But her biggest reason for that is because of the daughter. Yeah. And she tells him that the daughter already knows. And then I think he's like, well, then it's already been started. Yeah. And then, but before that, when she was heading back, we saw, we see August. August. In his Jeep drive up because his girlfriend lives in that area. Not to this house, to the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, So that'll come back in a little bit. Um, And we do hear a conversation with him and her, uh, Right in, in like the next scene, yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, Kern looks at this guy outside who's who's looking very, you know, like '80s Miami Vice, and he. But it's in the '90s now, so we have '90s Miami. Well, I don't Vice. know if this is a cell phone, but this is the biggest antenna I've ever seen on a cell phone because <laughs> he has a cell. He has a phone that is not connected to a cord. Yeah, <laughs> and this and the judge says this is he has some like fancy Japanese phone. Yeah. That is not that doesn't go on my wavelength, so I can never know what he's talking about. But I suspect he's um, like a drug kingpin. Yeah, heroin dealer. Yeah, and what's interesting overall about the judge character, so he's eavesdropping on people's conversations, but you also have to remember that his whole life, his whole profession, and his career was about judging people. Yeah, and he, I think, like he says, but also you should be this way if you're a judge, be an incredibly good judge of character. Uh huh. And I think that's part of why he can predict things, or he yeah. knows exactly oh, what yeah, she's yeah, yeah. feeling and thinking, because that's what that's his whole life. Yeah. So he writes down that guy's number, and gives it to Valentine. Is like, <laughs> this is his number. You can call him if you want. And so she calls him right away, and she says, uh, "You should die." And then he hangs up his phone, puts the huge antenna down, and runs inside. <laughs> and so I think. It's just so this is very interesting because we've had a moment where he said, Okay, you can go tell people and make things right because you think I'm doing something that's wrong. And she says, No, it's already started with the daughter. And then now he's like, Here's an immoral man. How would you judge him? And she does actually act with him. So we're starting to see that, you know, I think this is this is where like a conversation about like can evil exist with or can a god exist with evil in the world where it's like the you can run up against a problem when you start trying to judge and trying to decide like oh this thing is worse than this thing mm-hmm. or like where where is the cutoff point where you go okay when someone does this thing like steals a candy bar it's okay and i i wouldn't send him to hell but uh if someone you know, steals a thousand dollars from someone who's poor, I would send him to hell. 
or what that like yeah. I feel like the movie's kind of asking that question if you're going with the god reading okay. of this movie. What okay. do you think of that? That's interesting to think about. It, I haven't I didn't think about the movie at all about a god thing. So I only thought about that after seeing seeing on uh that 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 like that's a way people read it. Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of like, now I'm like re reframing the whole movie Don't, through that she, axis. So after she tells that guy you should die and then he has that reaction and everything, doesn't the judge ask her like, doesn't he ask her a question about like, why did you, why would you handle it that way? Yeah. But do you remember what she said? Oh, no, I don't. I don't Okay, remember. it's just, I just think he always has such interesting questions to her reactions and what she does to things because I think... But but I think she has that reaction because she just had the previous experience. Yeah. Uh, of course, these these situations are vastly different. One is uh, a man having an affair. Uh huh. And then the other one is this guy who might be a king drug kingpin. We actually don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Um. So they're two very different things. But after her first experience of deciding not to tell that family and potentially you know be being responsible for ruining the family. Yeah. She instead. Probably does something she wouldn't have done by telling yeah. the man what she told him. Yeah, yeah. I found that so interesting. Well, and then there's a third one. Uh-huh. Because they're eavesdropping What's on... What's his name? Kern. No, what's the guy's name? Uh, well, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm talking about someone else. Uh, his name's August. Good job. Okay, that's just a pop quiz. Yeah, because I thought that was the next call. No, that's already happened. We already talked about that. We didn't talk about the call. Okay, we mentioned it. What do you want to say about that well, call? What's the next call? Next call is the grocery woman. Oh, let's talk about that one. Because yeah. I think the one's after that. It's not, because I wrote it down. Uh, it's before that. But Oh, um, then let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> okay. We didn't talk about it, and it's pretty dang important. Jordan does not trust the timeline of my notes. Uh, uh, uh. Not on these movies. So August drops off his girlfriend, goes home, and immediately calls her. His girlfriend is like the weather report person. People call her asking for the weather report. Um, so he calls her, um, and they have a conversation just about how into each other they are, uh-huh. basically. And the judge says this man, like, has the hardest time with finding the right girl. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It's yeah. like what he says. And basically, Valentine's like, how could you know that? Yeah. Or what, what do you know? And it's obviously, I think, because he's hearing this, well, he's hearing this woman's conversations, and we find out her what she's been doing later. Yeah. Um, is that all on that yeah. one? Um, yeah. So then, um, they hear this conversation between a mother and a daughter and the mother is asking the daughter to pick up groceries for her. And, um, the daughter's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I think you're lying. You, there's no way you ate seven loaves of bread in four days and hangs up the phone. And then the judge says, uh, Le judge says, hey, Valentine, you should do her groceries for her. If you think you're so, like, moral, do her groceries and, and get them to her. And and then she's kind of, like, contemplating doing it because she just wants to do good. This whole movie, she's just trying to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, he's like, but you should know that she faked a heart attack because she wants to see her daughter. And I think five times. Did yeah. she say that? Yeah. Yeah. And and so when she dies, I have to tell the daughter. Like, she tries to trick her daughter to come here. So if you do the groceries, it actually doesn't fix the issue that you think it would fix. Yeah. 
which is a and very it's just interesting like, oh point. Oh my gosh, what is reality? Like, what <laughs> is going on? I know. And it, which also brings up a question of like, you do like how do you do good sometimes in a in a broken world? Yeah, that is the question he's asking. Um, and then he says, like, think about you hitting the dog when you had that dog taken care of. Did you do it? You only did it because you would have had guilt if you left it there, is what he says. And she agrees, right? She nods, doesn't no, she? She, uh, doesn't? she says, she says, um, she doesn't respond to that in particular, but she says that people aren't that bad. Okay. Like, like that's not that we're not it's so cynical. That, yeah, it's so so cynical. So then, um, so what's interesting yeah. if you look at it from the God way, he's this. He represents God, and he is listening to all these people's conversations. You could also look at it as prayers, whether or not. Um, I mean, they're more just yeah. people living their life, but yeah. he he is a like deist god, where <laughs> yeah, he is yeah. just like letting the world unfold and doing nothing about it. Right. So then she goes home, and uh, uh, intersects with the man again, and then she goes bowling, and the the man bought some Mar- Marlboros. August. You're August, talking about. Yeah. Um, I refer to them as the man. Well, you can't do that when we've been calling him August the whole time. We're <laughs> Augustine, apparently. Um, now the the beer. So so she bowls, and then the camera pans several lanes over, and we see like newly opened Marlboros, a smoking cigarette, and a broken beer bottle. Glass. Glass. I'm sorry. Um, and I think late. You know, we know that glass signifies, you know, like big changes and stuff like that. Or maybe not changes, broken but it's a glass. big. It's a, yeah, it's a big part of this movie. Yeah. Broken glass keeps coming up. Um, what what do you think it means for this? I couldn't figure it out. Because um, other th- than his life's about to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? I felt like I felt like there was something that he. The judge, the judge said, um, when he was describing his life at the at the um, fashion show, that that like cleared up the bottle for me, but I don't remember what it was. Life is like a bunch of broken windows. You don't know. You never what know you're which get. one's gonna crack. <laughs> so I guess that's extremely unhelpful for our listeners. Yeah, if you were trying to discern that, but. For this one, maybe it just is foreshadowing. Although I was pretty unclear no matter what, because I guess the marble will signify that it's his or the yeah. cigarettes. But I just assumed I, I didn't I didn't couldn't figure out like whose beer this was. Because it could have been anyone's cigarettes. That's what that's yeah. my brain went. No, I, I mean, even before they pointed it out later in the movie, I was like, I picked up on that. I knew it was him. Well, don't you get a gold star? Yeah, I do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, when there was broken glass with the judge, it was someone attacking him. Like they're throwing rocks into his house in a few scenes. So maybe, you know, this is the beginning of the deterioration of this man and his relationship with his girlfriend. Yeah. Maybe that's something. Yeah. But, uh, speaking of which, uh, uh, I see, I didn't catch his name for a really long time. So I was calling him Jeep Man and Law Man. I don't know my... if anyone said his name until the girl says it, like, way late into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they've had a big... I think it's sometimes easier to remember names in international movies because you see them subtitles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so much easier. Um, but, yeah, so so 
her fashion poster advertisement for chewing gum has been put up, and it's it's this great uh, uh, poster. It's at an intersection. Yeah, and there's just a great shot where August sees the poster, and he really looks at it. He's kind of smiling, like he's appreciating it. Yeah, which, again, this whole movie keeps kind of taunting you, like, they're going to get together, and you don't, you just don't see it, so you keep on expecting that. Um, and then... And then he passes the bar, or whatever it is, to become a judge. Lay bar. Lay bar. <laughs> and they... He comes out, talks to yeah. his girlfriend, and and she says, did they ask you that one question, the one that your book fell open to the ex- exact page? Yeah. And he said, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Le Judge is at a civil court case. Yeah, because he's outside with a bunch of people. We noticed that August's girlfriend's also there. She's the only person we recognize. I mean, I did. Yeah. For this group of people. So at first, I, and I don't know how it works in France, but for I just assumed, like, the guy got called to jury duty. Yeah. So, and coincidentally, so did this woman. That's the first thing I thought of. Oh, well, the woman's there for the civil case. I know why she's there, Micah, oh, but okay. they don't tell us that it's a civil case until they call people into the courthouse. Oh, you're saying before they explain yeah. that. Oh, okay. But Sorry. He, he's observing her, and this man walks up to her and begins flirting with her, and she's obviously into it. Yeah. And is flirting back. and um, Way less cute than August. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? This guy's, like, old. Yeah. Um, But you, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then, yeah, everyone gets called into the court. Yeah, and, and we find out that um, Le Judge, Kern, uh, he had sent a letter to everyone and the police that explained what he was doing. We don't know that yet, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I just, just... I'm just saying. So, like, they just all go to the courtroom, and next thing we know, Valentine is on her morning routine, gets the paper, and sees a headline uh-huh. that um, says that the, the judge turned, or the judge has been convicted for spying on people. Yeah. Uh, we have not talked about her brother yet. No, and I, I kind of missed the beginning of the brother thing, so I was confused about the brother the whole movie. It was a little confusing. So I, I, earlier on in the movie, what was that time that we mentioned that she gets the paper and like is stopped by what she sees on the front page? Yeah. So what she sees is a headline that they don't translate for us. That I yeah. don't, I don't remember them doing that. So I assumed we didn't need to know what it was. But it was a picture of a ma- of a boy. Um. And then she's ha- this is when she's having that big conversation with the judge about eavesdropping and stuff. And she brings up an example of like a boy who finds out that his father wasn't his father. And his he he starts making bad decisions. I think it's yeah. kind of what she's saying. And then later on in that conversation, he says, Now that boy you're talking about, you know him. Is it a boyfriend or a brother? And she uh-huh. says, It's my brother. And so we find out that her brother made the paper. Yeah. And I'm assuming it was drug like related to drugs. And yeah. she's like calling her mom at one point to ask if her brother is there. He's not. Later in the movie she calls again. Her brother yeah. is there. Finds out like, "Oh, mom didn't you made sure mom didn't see the paper?" No. And then the brother's like, "My girlfriend and I are getting out of here tomorrow. We can't stand another day in here." And it's just all that part yeah. is very unclear. That's like uh, you're watching the movie a second or third time, and you like yeah. really pick up on that. 
Because you don't have maybe, to worry about everything else in the movie. <laughs> although I guess what it actually is, though, is we learn that she is a person that likes helping people. Yeah. And she particularly feels helpless about her brother. She doesn't know what to do. Uh-huh. And I think she learns to let it go. By the end of the movie, she learns that to not help him. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's almost like the best way she can help her brother is by not helping him. Yeah. I think that's kind of the conclusion she comes to with the help of the judge. Does that make Does that sound right? Kind of. I mean, I mean, truly, if I'm just being honest, the the brother stuff really. I I was I was trying so hard to get everything else that I was not latching on to the brother stuff and yeah. her family dynamics. So I, I don't think I'm much help there. Yeah. But speak to it as much as you'd like to. I just may that's not. That's kind be able of all to, I got. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's by that time that she decides to not help her brother is like her care. Like that's her change. Yeah. You know. I see. I don't even remember her deciding not to help him. So I. It just didn't. It didn't compute with me. Yeah. But I'm not a dumb film watcher. <laughs> this is a second or third time watch kind of thing. I think, okay, I'm watching movies from the silent film era right now. Oh, so brother. so I think I know a thing or two so about So she finds movies. out the judge has been convicted. She goes to his house, and that's when she learns he turned himself in. And she yeah. asks why. Uh-huh. And she says, pourquoi? And, <laughs> and he says, Be, it's because of you that I turned myself in. Yeah. So she, what, what, did she like inspire him to do it? Did she open his eyes to what was. I think she did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he says you, you did it. Yeah. So. So it almost, it seems like, uh, like this is when the friendship blossoms. Uh huh. Because it, to have friendships a two way street, you do something for your friend, your friend does something for you, you have each other's backs. And I think that in their first big conversation together, he opened her eyes to a lot of things, to harsh realities. Yeah. And at this, in this next meeting, um, he's recognizing that she has helped him. So they've helped each other and he gets out a bottle of pear brandy and pours them both a glass to, to salute, uh, his conviction. Uh And this is when it gets a little weird. Yeah. It felt like there was some sexual tension maybe. Yeah. But. But but again, I think it's on that verge where it's like when you look back on the movie, I don't think there actually was sexual tension. He's just playing it in an odd way. I think he's just having a hard time opening his heart to so, to another human being. Yeah. But he wants to. I think he's desperate for it. Yeah, definitely. So like they're they're talking and he like I forget at what point of the conversation it is, but he like leans, he like puts his arms on the door frame and like leans forward. He's not yeah. super close to her. Or that was a weird, but it's, that was for me the moment of like, what's happening. And I yeah, mean, yeah, that, yeah. that's intentional because our main character, Valentine is like asking the same question. She kind of like takes a step back, even though they're not like yeah. super close or anything. And it's like, have I made a mistake coming back to this man's house and right. accepting a drink from him? Yeah. But then the conversation continues. Yeah, and and we find out that the uh, Rita, the dog, had puppies, and so this this not yet. Oh, okay. It's just my notes say that that's when it happened, Jordan. Oh, okay. Come on. Oh, that's right. He Trust says, my he says, notes. Come in. I want to show you I, something. I, I don't write them out of the order. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be way too hard. Um, so the the puppies are. I, I, I'm they trying signify to signify rebirth no. and a chance and a second chance at life. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, I, I think they do uh, what I want to dig into, which I'm just thinking that in blue, she is in her apartment. Yep. And a rat has 
uh, a litter, a litter of rats. And then her decision is to have them killed and gotten rid of. Oh, I forgot. I didn't think about. I didn't go that far with it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you think about you know uh, uh, birth as as really you know a, a, a whoa man my brain is blown <laughs> yeah, right aren't now. You glad? So she literally eats. Well, well she she refuses new life. She, Our main character. Yeah, I think movie. she refuses new life. She eventually finds it. She does. And then this character, the judge, as well as. Valentine. Valentine are embracing it and accepting new life. And are excited by it. Yeah. And I think excited by this new friendship. And here's what's cool. When I was looking at these movies, I wasn't seeing people point that out. So you're only getting that on oh this my podcast. Goodness. You're so smart. You watch silent films. I do. And you watch them with glasses on. Can well, yeah, I do. Can, uh, can I can I tell you a secret, listeners? It's not a secret, but there's and I, I you know it's not bad it's totally okay this is we're getting into pet peeve zone but there's certain people who refer to movies as film anytime they talk about any movie they say like they say like oh yeah I saw even a issue film. with that because movies aren't shot on film anymore oh I didn't even think about that yeah but I just think it's like it's a way for people to like puff up their chest a little bit <laughs> okay and it's like. Well, film is just the thing that it's on. And like you're saying, it's not even that anymore. Like it is a movie. And I think the I think the term movie by people like a lot of people is seen as like, oh, I'm gonna see a movie. That's Avatar. Remember, I'm gonna see oh. a film red. Yeah. And it's like they're all movies. Remember when we realized the what the movie were movie <laughs> yeah, means? Yeah, yeah. We were like, whoa, that's nuts. Cause they used to have talkies and now we have movies. Well, we had movies first and then talkies, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wonder when it was started. Uh, when was the word movie used? When was the word movie used? I mean, do, do you, does that kind of annoy you when people do that? Um, I don't know. I think it depends how it's said. Not, yeah. not literally the word that's used, but how it's said, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the word movies is thought to come from colloquial English. This is because the word movie is thought to have originated from the words moving pictures, which was the term applied to some of the earliest cinematography productions in the late 19th century. Let's start century. calling movies moving pictures. I mean, That'll if you really puff up If your you want to do that or if you want to say like I saw a picture, you yeah. can do that. And and you can call movies film. I'm not saying that's bad. What about film? That's that's bad. But usually people are doing bits when they yeah. say that. Um but I, I just know that there's a certain type of person that's like, oh, you you know, you you have a movie podcast. That's really cool. I really love films. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go. And then you tell them and then they say, what kind of films do you guys cover on your podcast? And then you say, oh, you know, like franchises. I go I go Shrek, Shrek 2. I, I only mention the Shrek movies and then they walk away and I'm like, dodged a bullet. <laughs> but yeah, so. Movies rock. Films are great, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like calling current day movies, it'd be like calling them uh, uh, Ram or something. Like Gigabytes. Because, because yeah. <laughs> data. I'm, I'm going to watch a Data today. I'm going to watch a, what, what did Scott Ackerman call that? Like, when people were coming on to promote a show, you have three contents. And it's like, each content was like 20 minutes. 
based on how long the person show was. Oh yeah, he yeah, did that yeah. for like a year. That it was, was a good very bit. funny. Yeah, I guess I guess how the many equivalent are, do you, is the show? Yeah, I guess the equivalent today would be calling a movie content. Yeah, kind of. But I think I mean film. If you say film, it's totally fine. Keep doing that. But I don't know. You know, maybe watch yourself and call movies every once in a while. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So the girl in the other building, girlfriend of August, met another man. Okay, we talked about that. <laughs> Bad sentence. So is this scene where August is, you know, he discovers. He goes to the building. Discovers that the woman is, uh, well, she's no longer returning his calls. Yeah. He tracks her down at a, at a restaurant where she is with a man, with the man that she's cheating on him with. And they're, they're going over these pictures from a, I'm, assu- I'm assuming either a trip on a yacht they took together or he's showing her these pictures. Cause later on, we know that they're going to go on a yacht. Um, but the August, you know, taps on the window and it's just so, it's so sad. Oh, before that he sees them having sex. He does. Oh, then he confronts her at the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So scratch what I said. Yeah. He goes to her building. It does, is that it. intercut with their conversation? Um, kind of, because they they continue to talk. I, I think they they talk. It cuts to that. It does the whole scene. Cuts back to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he scales the girl's building, which I don't know how he did that. I mean, either it was a physical feat. Yeah. Um, and he yeah s- discovers that she's cheating on him. Yeah. Um, and we have a almost room esque shot there where we almost get we we almost really see that guy's butt like. <laughs> I mean, and if you've seen the room, you know what I'm talking about. Um, everyone, everyone gets online and they watch uh, Brie Larson's The Room, and they're like, "I don't remember a the guy's movie made butt." Me cry. <laughs> no, I'm talking room or the room. What I always get them confused. The Brie Larson one's called Room. Yeah, the room is the real one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so when we cut back to Valentine and Lay <laughs> Judge. They are sitting at the table, continuing to enjoy the pear brandy, and the judge kind of opens up to her and yeah. says um, that he once acquitted a sailor. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, Thirty-five years ago, on this day, he acquitted a sailor. Yeah. And he regrets that decision, like he knew it was the wrong decision. Yeah. Um. So that, but as time passed, he like tracked down the person. Mm-hmm. And found out that the man was happily married with children. Yeah. So he had become a whatever. We don't even know what he was on trial for. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously he has become like a functioning member of society. Yeah. And Valentine's response is, well, then you made the right decision. Yeah. And it's interesting that she, I almost feel like it's interesting that she would say that because he doesn't even tell her what the man was on trial for. Like that doesn't, apparently it doesn't matter. To know why. Yeah. Because like, especially, I think it's especially important because the judge disagrees with his decision. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think so. I, I kind of, I, I was thinking ahead. So. Yeah. You, you were saying that it, it's interesting that that he disagrees with his decision, but she's sure about it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that she's just like, well, you made the right decision. And she doesn't ask any further questions on like, but what did you acquit him for? Yeah, 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 yeah. That and, is interesting, yeah. And then he also tells her that it's his birthday. Yeah. And they have another glass of pear brandy. And that made me, made me, you know, put my hands together back and forth going, give me that brandy. Give me it. Give me. Um, and so then 
August gets home and he leaves the car lights on in his car, which will let the battery die out. And Valentine notices this, and I thought, oh, this is the moment where they finally oh, meet. Oh, she doesn't do anything about it. But she doesn't do anything about so it. So do you think that she would have before she had met the judge? Oh, that's interesting, Jordan. I don't know if she would have, but I don't know. It's like she's learned to... That some makes it seem like he's influencing her to be a bad person, but he's not. Well... Huh. But it's almost as if she's starting to maybe observe the world and not inserting herself in every situation. Oh my gosh, Jordan. I just thought of that. That's good. And then it, and then you're saying the thing with her brother learning to like learning to accept some things are outside of her control. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's especially interesting that's because so interesting, Jordan. Good. <laughs> I also watch silent movies. Um films. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you watch silent films, I watch silent movies. Oh gosh. But it's especially <laughs> interesting because as we've said time and time again, it's like when are these characters finally gonna meet? Oh my gosh, he left the lights on in his car. This is the perfect time for them to meet and fall in love. Especially after he just had his heart broken. Yeah. And she's going through a bad relationship anyway. Yeah. Ugh. And they don't, nothing happens. Yeah. And it's like, are they ever going to get together? Yeah. And we don't really know. Um, And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go to England. And she says her goodbyes to. um, Oh, you know what this is interesting about? So you know what this is interesting about? So in that conversation with the judge, she says that she's going to London. And he says, are you flying or taking the ferry? Or he says, do you like to fly? She says, no. And he says, then why wouldn't you take the ferry? And she said, oh, I've never thought about it like that. Do you think that, because a man that had for a very long time only listened to people is finally offering advice. Mm. And what's interesting about it is she, he, if he never said anything about the ferry, she would have never taken it, which means she never would have been on it. And she never would have been in a shipwreck. So like him inserting himself into her life in that way almost killed her. So let's take it back to the God metaphor. Yeah. This is now her judgment is she has to survive this boat and all the righteous people of the boat survived. Which Do you really the, think all those people are righteous? Well, the past characters of the movies, like they have overcome their circumstances and they're okay. Now they're going to be okay. They're on a lifeboat. They made it okay. But is that something that's interesting? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I'm not sure I agree either. It's just the first thing that came to my head when yeah. you started mentioning that. Um, but anyway, back from the God metaphor, they say their goodbyes. Um, but then she has a, a show before she's going to leave and she invites him to the show mm-hmm. and he comes to the show. And, um, they have a long conversation afterward with when it's just them at the fashion show. And, he and this meant, is this is when yeah. throughout the movie, most of it has been shown. Oh, actually, this is interesting. In their first couple conversations, she sat on like a she she sat lower than him. So he was always above her. Yeah. At that big second conversation they had after he had been convicted, they're sitting at a table together equally. And then by this point in the movie, she, for much of the conversation, she's up on the stage and he's down on the ground floor. Yeah. And so she's above him. But then throughout that conversation, they're on even ground again. (sighs) 
son of a bee. Could you just imagine making a movie with like this much thought? I can't, man. I don't get how people do it. It's so cool. That's why it makes so much more sense that they shoot a Marvel movie and they're like, just stand in front of this blue screen and we'll change it all later. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. They're like, don't even put on a costume. We'll we'll add it all in post. Yeah. But boy, makes for better movies. Gotta tell you. Films. Films, really. It, it, it turns movies into films. <laughs> films. Uh, yeah. So he talks about his old love. He had yeah. one love. But what do you think about the dream he had? Because this is when they revisit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier in the movie, he tells her about it. But at this point in the movie, again, she says, I want to know every detail about the dream. And the dream is she, he he dreamt about her. She was in her 40s or 50s. Yeah. And she was happy. And then he also saw that she had like woken up in bed next to another, next to a man. And she was happy. Yeah. And that's when she says, and that will happen. She uses the word will. Yeah. And he says, yes, that will happen. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think about that? I, I thought of it more as just a comforting thought. Yeah. But but I like that you that you're kind of positing that he almost has like a pr- omni om, omni pr- uh, omniscient power or something like well, that. Well, I don't think that, but yeah. Like metaphorically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I I didn't I think she's see, she like is very much desiring that uh-huh. because even though she's about to go on this trip to go see her boyfriend she knows like she's not happy it's like as if she's admitting yeah or, or she's just she needs someone to tell her that everything will be okay because things are not okay now right because yeah. throughout the movie when she's on the phone with michelle he is so bad to her yeah and at one point she says i love you and he says she says do you love me and he says i think so and she says you can't tell me that you love me and he says it's the same thing yeah, yeah. it's like oh my gosh dude why are you in this relationship and then that other time they're on the phone and um they're like fighting yeah and she's like well i'm gonna i'm going to bed and then she hangs up goes starts the shower gets a phone call from him again and he's like are you really alone and that's yeah. when she's like i n- just like good night that's yeah, all she says yeah. i'm like shocked that she would still go to, <laughs> to I know. london yeah crazy um sorry go back to this scene no yeah yeah so so they talk and he mentions his old love and he mentions how he fell in love with this woman and he even mentioned so what he proceeds to describe is the exact story of august that we have seen in this movie and for a moment when he was describing this scene i thought oh august and valentine are never gonna meet they just brought this up and he is just like retroactively that this man's life and we saw his life while we learned who this man yeah was. like that like they're not on the same planes of existence and time that's yeah, what you thought yeah, not like literally but that's, it, i thought that for a second yeah and then i also thought that but then i don't think that's what it is no because they're like they're not but um then i also thought like it's interesting to think that we just watched this man's life through another man yeah and but we kind of saw it through the perspective of a woman, even though she didn't know that this stuff was happening. And it's just it made me think like how many how many times were people that close yeah. to quote unquote happiness? Mm, but they were so yeah. caught up in chasing the other thing. Yeah. Pulling all those getting the triple cherries. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Still trying to make sense of that one. But yeah, so he proceeds to explain he was in love with this woman. He even mentions that he dropped a law book once, and then it, it, the question was on the exam. That's when I was like, okay, this guy is just, we're seeing what he was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he watched, he saw his um, woman like cheating on him. And then uh, they broke up. She died. And then the person, na- now it's where it diverts from mm-hmm. the man we've seen, August. Um, she died. And then the man she cheated with was on trial. And he gave him a guilty verdict, but he mentions, I mean, it's still like ethically he shouldn't have done yeah, yeah. the case, but he's like, it was, he was guilty. So I delivered a just verdict. Yeah. Okay. A lot there. A uh, lot. I mean, we've kind of covered it and as we go. He says, you know, I've, I've never loved another woman since. And doesn't yeah. he kind of say until I met you, but he doesn't mean it in a love way. Like yeah. I, I never have cared for another person. Like I did for her until you. Yeah. And I think I there's no at this point in the movie, there's no weird no tension no. or anything. Like it's truly like companionship. Well, and and I think I mean, going back to his dream about her being with an older or her her being old and being with a man that she's obviously grown with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think maybe there's something to she she has fallen in love with the companionship of this man. Yeah. And then she's about to fall in love with basically the man. Yeah. Because August like lived the same life up to this point. Um I mean perhaps even August's ex-girlfriend was on that ferry and died to to further their connection. Hmm. Um Well, his ex-girlfriend does die. And and that when that cuz the ship the ferry uh, gets in a shipwreck yeah. because of a really bad storm. And they mentioned that a yacht, two people that were traveling on a yacht are also Oh, I missing. didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah. So there's a crash and she died in it just like a yacht crash for. Well, an accident, Kern. but yeah, I think he it never, was a boat accident. I think you just of, said an accident. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, maybe I just assume cause he mentioned he talked about a sailor and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean yeah, so she is she she is about to fall in love with the younger version of Kern. And I look at so by this point of the movie What I'm, the heck? That's so cr- I didn't seeing, catch the ex-girlfriend getting in the boat crash. But I'm seeing August at this point, you know, he represents the judge and now I'm seeing him as the judge's second chance. Mm-hmm. At finding the right person. That's how I start to oh, view Oh, yeah, it. because he never found the right person. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say that throughout the movie, he mentions there was a case that always bothered him, and it was a sailor that he convicted, right? He said he convicted no, he him. No, he acquitted that guy. Oh, he acquitted him. Okay. Yeah, because I thought while we were watching the movie, and I even said it, when he says the girl's the guy that she cheated on with, yeah. he found him guilty. And I was like, well, it's not the sailor, because he acquitted the sailor. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, never mind. Then I won't say what I was going to say, but... That's wild. So, so yeah, this man is his second chance, and in a way, he is the main character because he he gets the girl through the second chance well, of this person he might that's get not the girl, him. But yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> that's an anti uh, anti romance, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but before we get to the boat crash, we do see the woman who is trying to recycle. 
and Valentine helps her. Mm-hmm. The first character didn't notice. Second character kind of smiled and kind of laughed at. Third character helps her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she gets on the boat. August gets on the boat. And then it gets in this horrible accident. Well, this, well, th- this is an interesting part, though. Everyone's getting on the ferry, and August asks the attendant, can you help me find where I need to go? Person yeah. directs him. Valentine comes up to the person next and says, can you help me figure out where I need to go? And the person sends, the attendant sends her in a different direction. You would think at oh, this I point. Oh, I thought it was the same one. No, they go in different directions. Okay. So you would think at this point. We're, we're still expecting the meet cue. Yeah. But uh, they're they're put in different ways, but then this tragedy happens. Yeah, where everyone except for seven people and many missing die on this boat. Mm-hmm. And the seven people are the main character of Blue. Mm-hmm. Her the person that she uh, is like the lover. Olivier. Olivier. Uh Carol Carol from White. Uh Dominique, Dominique from White. And then these uh these two characters we're discussing and and another person well, there's a little bit of suspense because they show August and then the person says, and two Swiss travelers, blah, blah, blah. And then model. Yeah. Valentine. So, and, and he's, uh, Kern is watching this on TV. So he's, Oh man, I'm so, I was so devastated watching. This yeah. Cause he, he's the reason she went on the ferry. Yeah. And I, I had forgotten that fact. So yeah, that's crazy. And then he sees, or we see that they both, uh, that that her and August are like walking together, and she turns, and the camera stops, the TV stops, and there's red highlighted behind her, and she's in the exact same pose, uh, pose as her advertisement, and then the movie's over. Wild. So wow. that's the so, end of theirs. Do we feel like we wa- ended Augustine? Or well, I mean, hold on, stop saying Augustine. <laughs> can we? But wait. So, but the, while the judge is watching this on TV, at one point it cuts back to him, and he's watching. He's looking through a window. Yeah, a broken window. But uh-huh. the the newscast is still happening. Is that like what you said earlier? He's watching the world unfold. Yeah, I don't, I don't, okay. I don't remember. Okay. I, I can't remember that specific detail. Okay. I, I know he did do that, and I yeah. do remember him doing that, but I can't like quite make that connection. Um, but do, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> Let's there, go with that one. There's a lot in. I mean, I think that th- these movies all would benefit from a rewatch. I mean, I joked about it last week that we could probably do these episodes every year, and we would talk about different yeah. stuff. Um, it's kind of like the before trilogy, you know, mm-hmm. like the. The last time we watched them, I related to them in a completely different way and got crazy, so many different crazy, things crazy. from them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so did, do we feel like we wrapped up that trio of characters? Yeah. Because now I want to talk about what do you think this ending means that all these characters are on the lifeboat? Well, I do like what you said that they're survivors. They yeah. survived their stories and what they went through. Um, but I just don't know if I, what hangs me up is white. Where yeah. it's like, yes, Carol made it through. He survived. He fought through it. But he imprisoned his wife. Well, so this is where I get a wrench thrown in it as well. Because, yeah, I think it's like thematically we're tying this all together. This is the story. These are all interconnected in a strange way. So there's that, which I think takes care of Blue. But the white that's weird is, so I, I was trying to look up where does this take place timeline-wise. Yeah. Because I'm like, is this... Before is this like Carol, Carol, and Dominique 
when they were married mm-hmm. at first. But uh, someone on I had to find it on Reddit. Someone said like in a box set, uh, Kieslowski said that he imagines that they worked it all out, and that's why they're together in the boat. Well, they technically worked it all out because he he like well, brainwashed I mean, but her. It's like it's like but yeah. this is after white. this is after that. Okay. Uh, but I don't know that that's very weird because the way that I read the movie White, it kind of like completely changes how I view the ending of that movie. Because you don't feel like they worked it out. I don't. I feel like he made it equal. It was the equality thing in his mind, and then he walked away, and that was it. That that was how I envisioned the ending. So I think maybe maybe what would be interesting now would be to rewatch White, knowing that they she- did make it together get out of prison all that what's the thing that she said in white when they were in the salon and she's like if i say if i do this you have nothing to say if i say this what does she say she says like if i tell you i love you you don't know what to do you don't know what to do if i tell you i hate you you don't know what to do but i do need you Hmm. (laughs) well i guess just by the end of the movie she needs him yeah so it's like he becomes available to her in all the ways that she needs him to now and maybe it's as simple as that, and they're I don't happy. Know. I mean, maybe what what I find, I, I think the overarching thing of having all these characters on this lifeboat is you you look at all these three stories that we've covered, and you look at them, and you go, "There is hope," and they 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 eventually made it out, and they're oh they're going to be okay. Um, I mean, they're literally on a lifeboat, which yeah. means that they have been saved. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it just... And the person who's watching is our God character. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting thing, too. Man, these movies are good. Yeah. You didn't skip them, did you, folks? You better not have. Uh, I feel like we did it. Yeah. Um. Would highly recommend. I think these will be really great movies to rewatch. Would love to watch more Kieslowski movies. Same. Um, and yeah, it, it's peeling back the layers. I mean, I, I just, it's like, it, it's pretty moving and impactful cinema. How about <laughs> that for a word? Okay. <laughs> uh, what's your ranking on these movies? I think I would go from top to bottom. And I just want to say Top is in favorite? Yeah. And I want to say before, I liked all of them a heck of a lot. They're yeah, all yeah. they're all wonderful, wonderful movies. But I think it would go red, blue, white. Yeah, I was so I'm confused now and conflicted because I was gonna go blue, white, red, top to bottom. Yeah. But after talking about red, I'm like, it kind of recontextualizes everything. So it kind of feels like maybe it's the best one. Uh I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. So I, I think I'm just going to play it safe, which is radically different from what I imagined it before, and say blue, red, white. Okay. But I don't know. Because I originally was like, oh, yeah, white is definitely the second best. It's so fun. But now I'm easily putting it third. I don't know. It's very strange. It's so thank you for listening, everyone. If you want to support this show extra uh you can write a five-star review uh you can send it to a friend that's a big one or you can go to patreon.com slash there is a link in the show notes and you can join our patreon where we release 
an extra episode every single month. And that episode consists of random bonuses, but mostly it's MPU the sequel where we cover series that only have two entries. And we got a whole heck of a lot that we've covered on there. I mean, I'm talking Gremlins, Avatar. Uh, uh, uh. Well, right now, this this month, a couple days ago, we just came out with Knives Out Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. So uh, if you want to listen to that, sign up for as little as three bucos. I'm talking dollars. And once we get to 50 patrons, we're going to be putting out two extra episodes a month. And that, those will be about Pixar, those the extra ones. So sign up. Um, on top of that, next week we jump back into X-Men. And we will be kicking that off with, uh, here's your little reading guide here. Uh, it, it'll be First Class, The Wolverine, Days of Future Past, Deadpool. That, those are your next four movies. Okay. Um, yeah. And check out my YouTube. I got a lot of fun stuff going on over there. Yeah. Got some crazy, crazy videos coming out in April. Wink, wink. Hmm. And I had a music video for Ghost in My House come out, which is cool. Yeah. So, adios, friends, unless you got anything you want to say. Um, you can, if if you like looking at fun art, you can follow me on Instagram at, at J underscore M underscore McCaw, I think. Or Jordan Marie McCaw. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.